1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salem, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. Do not be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. All right. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We are not well trained in this church. It's sad. It's to work on that, Sam. On Good Friday, just a few days ago, we gathered here together. Many of us, I see many of the same faces, some that weren't, but many of us gathered in solemn reflection, remembering Jesus' death on the cross. And as we remembered it, we remembered that the work that he came to do was on the cross, and on that day it was completed. And he said, as he died on the cross, it is finished. It's good news. It's Good Friday. And yet, as the work of the cross reminds us of his suffering and the weight of our sin as we did our part to nail him to that cross, and as we attempt with sombering thought to attempt to consider what he went through really on that day, all of this pales quickly in comparison to the great joy that we have, the great joy we receive when we think on his resurrection. As Romans 6, 9 says, we, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. That's good news. Today we're going to focus on Jesus as risen. That's what we are meant to do on Easter Sunday. It's so important for us to take time, preferably weekly, but certainly once a year where we focus all of our attention on Jesus as risen and what that means for us. Because though he was brought low, down unto death, death could not hold him. Death could not keep him. Death proved no match for Jesus Christ. Though he suffered and died, three days later he rose again in victory. That's good news. This is a day of celebration. You guys excited? Oof. By the end you'll be, I hope. And my question is, what role does this truth really play in your life? Is the resurrection of Jesus Christ something that you ever think about other than on Easter when it's kind of forced on you? Do you meditate on this? I'm losing my mic. It's a new one. I'm not used to them sticking on so well. (laughs) Is it something that you really believe? Do you really believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again? 
Or are you a little uncertain when you really think about it? Or through the repetition of hearing about it so often, has the reality of Jesus' resurrection gone stale in your mind? Does it not have the same power, the same authority in your life that it should or that it maybe once did? Jesus paid the penalty for our sin on the cross, and it was a triumphant moment. But if He had simply died, and that was the end of the story, there would be no victory for us today. It is that He's risen that we have victory as well. Let's consider the text we looked at that we just read through in Mark. And so I read through this the last few days and yesterday a few times. I began to see the significance of our connection, actually, today with these women and their response to the empty tomb. Now, as we went through the text, did you happen to notice any significant pieces missing Anybody? Jesus isn't there. Jesus wasn't there. He's absent. In this first telling of Jesus' resurrection, He isn't there. It's interesting that He chose to do it that way, chose to reveal Himself that way, first with an empty tomb. Why is it an angel that is giving the news? Why not reveal Himself Himself? Show up in a big way. You know, I, I, I kind of picture like if it was me, I'd think, you know, I'd be like, want some trumpet sounding, drum roll, Jesus jumps out of the tomb, surprise! We can thank God that Jesus doesn't do things the way I would do them. Now, of course, when we think of that, when we think of Jesus, why didn't he just show himself really obvious so that there was no question? Well, we can hope and we can look forward that there will be a day that that does, in fact, happen. There will be a day when Jesus comes again, and there will be no mistaking who He is. There will be no question, no uncertainty. On that day, when He comes again, every knee will bow. And it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you think you believe. Everybody in your life, no matter how far from God or how rejecting they are of who God is, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord on that day. Because on that day, it will be undeniable. It will be inescapable, and it will be an absolute truth accepted by all, it will be foolish and impossible to deny it. But here, in Jesus first revealing himself to the world as risen, in the text we looked at, Jesus makes no initial appearance. The women who arrive at the tomb are presented only with three proofs, really. See, they have first a witness, the angels proclaiming, he is risen. I'm telling you, it happened. He says it happened actually just as he said it would. And we have the physical evidence. We have the empty tomb. We have a stone that's been rolled away. We have the burial clothes still lying perfectly as they were. And in fact, we have the very evidence of the absence of Jesus. He's not there. And in all the Gospels, the empty tomb is, what, is how Jesus is first revealed as risen before they see Jesus himself. And this is a glorious evidence that we still have today. Because there's nowhere you can go and see the tomb of Jesus as an actual, the actual tomb of Jesus where Jesus lies. There's no bones buried in the earth that we can go and visit. In 2,000 years, there's no evidence of his body and there never will be. The tomb is empty. It was empty then on that day and it's still empty today. That's good news and an evidence that Jesus Christ is risen. And as these women 
have now seen the empty tomb. They've heard the testimony that Jesus is in fact risen again as he said he would do. This is how they walk away from this event. And this is where we connect to them. In Mark 16, 8, I'll read again the last verse. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Bewildered trembling, fleeing in fear. This connects with us. This is, if we don't accept the risen Jesus, our state. And they're not alone, of course. It's not just women here. Can't put it on them. They were the only ones who actually went to the tomb that day. But all of the 12, or really 11 at this point, uh, his closest followers, they've all ran in all directions and hid. In fact, all his disciples have abandoned him. They don't know what to believe. They don't know what to do with this situation. Either Jesus is risen, and it's the greatest miracle, the greatest news in history, or there is some other explanation. And Jesus is just dead. And now he is also missing. Because they don't know what to believe at first, they respond by running from it, trembling in fear feeling as though all hope has been stamped out. They've seen Jesus die, and now they can't even mourn for him anymore. And this is the result of only grasping part of the reality of Jesus' resurrection. If you don't get the whole picture, if you don't really understand that he is, in fact, alive today, physically alive, in a body, we have to get the whole truth. It's not just that the tomb was empty, it is that he is risen. And this is the transition. Before they, before they begin to really believe as they see him later, we see a similar state to where we are often today when we don't accept this fully. It's the result of not getting the whole picture. We don't really know what to do with the story of a risen Jesus in our minds alone. It doesn't really fit into our understanding of the world with our five senses, how we perceive the world around us, the dead don't just come back to life. But if Jesus is merely a great prophet, a great teacher, a great example, a good man that we can follow, and that's how we should live, we should just live our life as he has, teach, has taught us because it's a, a good thing for us, but he is also one who lived a good life and then died, we have no hope. We have nothing to hold on to. We have nothing to stand on, nothing to really believe. And we are just as lost in our fearful trembling as ever. Because we don't need, we didn't need Jesus to simply be a prophet, to be a teacher, to be an example for us to follow. Though we need that too, we need Jesus to be our Savior. We need Jesus to be our Savior. The only, to only know the story of Jesus, the story of the resurrection, to have some idea of who Jesus is, maybe even to believe some parts of the story, some ideas of who Jesus is, but to not really connect the importance of the resurrection, the resurrected Jesus, to your everyday life is to miss out on the promises we receive through the resurrection. You'll miss out. You won't really be able to fully grasp them, fully believe them, fully apply them to your life if you don't fundamentally grasp the importance of Jesus is risen. 
I hope through today that you see either maybe for the first time, maybe this is all new to you, and maybe this is something that God will use to point you and open your eyes that he is the risen Lord. Or for many of us, it would be something that needs to be reignited. Oh, it's grown stale. It's grown maybe just something that we, just in, through the repetition, something that we don't really grasp anymore. We don't hold on to. We don't stand on this. As Jesus is risen, then we need to have that reignited in our hearts today. That there is a reason to believe, a reason to rejoice, a reason to meditate on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The difference between accepting it completely as the truth or not is the difference between a life of fear and bewilderment and absolute peace in Christ. Throughout this week, Holy Week, we've had a theme that comes from Jesus' words in John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So I want to tie this in together. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's think about Jesus in this manner, as the way, as the truth, as the life, and how this applies to our life, our everyday life, and how it only reigns true when he is, in fact, risen. Sound good? You guys with me? Sorry, I just, sometimes I got to check, make, I mean, it's Easter, I need to make sure that people are awake, and I know it's like late in the day, and everybody's getting maybe hungry for lunch, but let's, let's get excited that Jesus is risen today, amen? I'm going to do some amens, I'm American, I'm allowed to. All right, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. He is the way. And we are desperately lost. He is the way and we are desperately lost. Have you ever found yourself incredibly lost? Has anybody ever been like really, like I don't know if I'm going to get out of this, lost in your life? Yeah, that's like almost every hand. The rest of you are like, "Mm, I don't want to put my hand up. We've all had those moments. Maybe it's on a hike. Maybe it's on a road trip. And uh, you're just like, there's a moment when you realize You've no idea where you are. You've no idea where you're going or how to get there. And there's this kind of like fear that just like hits your heart and you're like, I'm not sure if I'm going to get out of this. I know like on hiking in Germany, that's pretty rare because you can just walk in any line straight and you'll probably hit a village. But I, I can think of a few pretty insane moments where I was lost. I remember one time I was, when I was a kid, I was maybe 10, 11, I'm not sure. My mom's probably watching this. She'll maybe correct me later. Um, And we were in this park. It's called Big Ben National Park. It's in Texas. It's in West Texas. And when I say a national park, and I think we maybe forget that uh, that's, it's like as big as Baden-Württemberg. It's massive. It's a massive park. It takes up a huge section of land. And we were, I was out there with my dad. It was nighttime, and we were headed back to the campsite, and somehow I don't know, I lost him, and it was probably, to be honest, it was probably like five, ten minutes. It felt like an eternity for a 10, 11-year-old to be lost in the wilderness, in the dark. And as I was lost, there was this kind of a herd of javelina, which are like wild pigs, that ran all around me, and I mean, I've never felt such terror in my life. All I wanted in that moment was to just find the way, to find the campsite, and I remember the moment when I finally, I saw 
through like some, uh, I guess it was probably through some hills or something. I saw the light of our campsite and, oh, the peace. I was like, oh, thank God. Let me just get there as fast as can. When one is lost, the only thing we really hope to find is the way. We just want to find the way. When we really realize that we're lost, to know where you are, to know where you're going. Being lost feels like being in the dark, like nothing is familiar. You're not really sure what to look for, what to look to. And your hope is to only find some kind of light, some kind of way back to the path to get you back in the right direction, to know where you're going. And when you do, it's such a peace that comes over you. This is the state we're in without the resurrected Jesus. If he hadn't risen, we'd be, in that, we'd be lost in that state. But many of us are lost in that state. We're born into that. The women who first saw the empty tomb have, have, had just, have just seen Jesus die. And though they walked with him through his ministry, they heard his teaching, saw his miracles, this wasn't enough. It held no weight when facing Jesus' death. And as we saw in verse 8, not truly accepting it, not truly believing it, that Jesus had in fact risen, they still felt lost. They still felt confused, uncertain about what would come next. Even having heard the truth, it's not just enough to hear it, we have to believe it. We have to know it in our hearts. And we are all born into this, not knowing Jesus, lost in our sin. And most are lost and unaware how lost they really are. They haven't had that, you know, that moment when you're hiking and you're, you're, you're lost, you just don't know it yet, and you're feeling like, oh, everything's fine, and oh, wow, those trees don't look familiar. I have no idea where I am. That's a good thing to finally realize you're lost so that you don't keep going the wrong way. Many keep walking and never get to that point of realizing they're lost. But we are lost. We are lost without Christ. We are lost without the risen Jesus. Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all... We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. We went our own way. It's never the right way. Our own way is never the right way. And the Lord has laid on Him, that's on Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. And if we have ever been really lost, as many hands went up, the kind of loss that I know I've experienced, then you know the sense of being so lost that without help, without some kind of light, without some kind of guide, without somebody coming to help you, you might just stay lost. You might just stay that way. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. But He does not merely open a door for us to seek out. He seeks us out. He seeks us out in our lostness. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek. I love that. I could just say it over and over. He came to seek. To seek and to save the lost. That's us. We're the lost. And He came to seek us out. He goes to that place where we have no idea where we're going. We have no idea where we are. And He finds us. And He brings us back. He brings us back to Himself. Because he is the way. He is risen. And he is not a way. He is the way. And he will seek you out. He will draw you with his love. He will turn your trembling and your fear into peace and joy. 
that moment when you realize I'm not lost anymore. Ah, yes. Peace and joy. Psalm 51, 12, for all of us who maybe have lost sight of that, lost sight of what the resurrection really means. David says, restore to me, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Now, for those of us here today who know Jesus, no matter, I tell you, no matter what you're going through, pray this prayer that God would restore your heart with joy, to a state of joy and peace because you are no longer lost. Never forget that. And let me tell you, we forget it all the time. You're no longer lost, no longer driven by fear and uncertainty. You know who you are. You are a child of God. You know where you're going, eternally growing closer and closer to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way. Jesus is also the truth. Jesus is the truth. I want to read uh, Luke's accounting of basically the same thing we read in Mark because I really like the way he paints this. In Luke 24, 5 through 7, this is the angel's response. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. I really like the telling of this from Luke. And not to be irreverent, but I feel like it sounds a bit sassy the way the angel is talking to them. Again, not to be irreverent, but it's just much more poignant. What are you doing? What are you looking for the, the living among the dead? Of course he's not here. He's risen. Because this is exactly what he said he was going to do. Remember? He said that? That's what happened? Isn't this just like us? Isn't this just like us? How many times can we hear the same truths, but as soon as it comes to a point of affecting our life, we forget to stand on those promises. They had heard him say exactly what he would do, exactly what would happen, and that's exactly how it happened. But as they experienced grief, their emotions were involved, fear crept in, and it left no room for the truth, even when they had heard it from Jesus' own mouth. It left no room for the truth. How easy we forget the promises of God. How easily we forget the truth when Jesus speaks, it, speaks those truths direct to us through his word. What Jesus speaks is true yesterday, today, and forever. It remains forever true. So if Jesus says, I'm going to die, I'm going to have to die, I'm going to be crucified three days later. I'm going to rise again. That's exactly what's going to happen. And let me tell you guys, get this today. Leave with this. And if this is true, if Jesus is in fact risen, then how much more can we trust in every promise he gives us? Every promise he gives us. It must be true then that there is freedom in Christ. It must be true that those whom Christ sets free are free indeed. It must be true that there is rest for the weary, for the heavy burdened when we come to Him. 
it must be true that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, that our sins are forgiven and wiped away. It must be true that He gives us peace, that He gives us joy, that He gives us love. It must be true that through Christ we have the promised Holy Spirit who dwells within us and produces the fruit of the Spirit within us. Don't you see, if it is true that He is risen, then all these things must be true. If Jesus can speak, I'm going to have to die and then I'm going to rise again, and that is what happened. If He is risen today, then every word that is spoken from Jesus Christ is true. So if you believe in the resurrected Jesus, don't sell yourself short on all the promises that He also offers us also can be applied to your life today. Hold on to those two, and you say, yeah, okay, amen. He is the truth in a world filled with lies that have, much, have us chasing much these mirages, these ideas, these facades. He has us being driven and given into fear Because the devil will do all he can to keep you from truly accepting this, accepting that everything Christ said is true. He will have you believing lies about yourself, that these truths don't apply to you. Because can it really be true? You're not worthy. You're not good enough. Jesus is who he says he is. And his promises are true. Get this. His promises are true irregardless of you because it's not about you. His promises are His promises. It is His word. And when He speaks something, it is true irregardless of you. How foolish, how prideful to think that we would be not worthy because of us. That we, because of our actions, would be able to change Christ's word irregardless of you and irregardless of any situation. I know this pandemic has certainly caused us to have to be purposeful and wise in how we are functioning and how we're interacting with with each other, and I definitely believe in that. But I have to say the devil has used this to drive fear in us and to drive us away from each other in ways that are not healthy. We can use wisdom, but we can't let the devil produce fear in us because that is never from Christ. Christ gives us peace, not fear. We can't affect his promises. We can only choose to reject these promises he's given us, choosing instead to believe a lie. Though none of us have seen Jesus with our own eyes, we trust in the testimony of the hundreds of witnesses that we find in Scripture the proof of the empty tomb, in the words of Jesus himself. And when we do, Jesus himself calls us blessed. In John 20, 29, as he's uh, talking to Thomas, famously known as Doubting Thomas, because he said he wouldn't believe unless he saw with his own eyes. And Jesus says, because you have seen, you have believed. Blessed are those, that's us today, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus is the truth. He is the very word of God and every promise within it. Every promise. I'm not just, I have a red letter edition Bible. I'm not just talking about that. Every 
Every word of the Bible should be read. Every word is Jesus' word. Every promise within it is as true as he is real. It is as true as he is real. So put your trust in the resurrected Jesus and know that every promise of God we find in his word applies to your life. Believe it. Stand on it. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the life. We read, you are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. He is the life as we are dead in our sins, destined to receive only death as our reward. For the wages of sin is death. And if Jesus is not risen, this life is all we have. 1 Corinthians 15, 17, Paul paints it very clear for us. If Christ has not been risen, sorry, been raised, your faith is futile. It's meaningless. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only, if only for this life, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, meaning it's just for the days that we live here on earth, we want to do good, we want to follow his example, if that's it, we of all people we, we of all people most are most to be pitied. To be pitied. Verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through one man, Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man, that is Jesus Christ. Paul is saying without a resurrected Jesus, Christians are just a bunch of idiots. We're wasting our time, wasting our energy, wasting our resources, and we should be pitied for our foolishness. But with the resurrected Jesus, we have the greatest hope of all. Because just as death has no hold on him, it has no hold on us when we follow after him. For all those who believe in him and follow Jesus as their Lord, there will be a day when all of his children are gathered together and we live in eternity in perfect peace with him. Romans 6, 8 through 11. Now if we died with Christ, and that is to say died to our sin, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. For the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, here's our application. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. He is the way. And the gospel is that the good news of salvation through him alone is true. It is truth, and that though this life is temporary, we are offered eternal life, and death will not be able to hold us either. So I say to us all, remember that Christ has risen. Repent of your sin. Know that you will never be strong enough to defeat sin without Christ. And every day, repent. Repent of your sins because every day we sin. Every day we fall short of the glory of God. We need to learn to die to our sins, to daily take up our cross 
as we crucify our sinful flesh, dying to our own sin as Christ died on the cross and paid for those sins. This is all about humility. I cannot do it without you, so every day I surrender myself to you. That as we follow him in death, dying to our sin daily, by dying to our sin, we may also follow him in life, in life eternal. His resurrection is certain. His promises are sure. And if you have put your trust in him, find rest, find peace, find joy, celebrate today. Really, today, go out and celebrate. This is a day for feasting and celebration, remembering the joy and the peace that we receive because Christ is risen. And as John 18, 9 tells us, of those whom you have given me, I lost not one. Not only has Christ come, sought us out, but he holds us and he will not let us go. Jesus Christ is the way, for we are lost and he has sought us out. Jesus Christ is the truth in a world that is filled with lies and the father of lies is doing all he can to confuse, to distort, and to corrupt the truth of God in our hearts. So keep our eyes focused on the truth and never let it be dampened because it will not be changed by you or anything else. And Jesus Christ is the life. For without him there is only death for us in our sin. But because of the work that he has finished on the cross, our sins are nailed. Our sinful nature has been crucified once and for all. And we may now follow Jesus into life, life abundantly and life eternal. I invite the band to come back up as I read a verse to encourage us that it is true because All this is true because he is risen. 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9 gives us a good way to dwell on this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled. Oh Lord, let us be filled. Filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray. Jesus Christ, we thank you that it is true that you have risen. You said you would do it and you did it as you said you would. You are truth. You are the way. You are life. Life eternal. How often, Lord, we let this truth be dampened in our minds, dampened in our hearts. The devil does all he can to blur it, to dim it in our eyes. Father, I pray that it may be sharpened today. May we have a strong and sharp vision for you as risen Jesus Christ, Lord, King of kings, who reigns forever, who has sought us out in our lostness, who has put your truth and written it on our hearts, who has offered us eternal life as we follow after you. May this fill us with joy today. May we have a heart of celebration as we remember what you did and that you are risen today and forever. In Jesus Christ's holy name, amen. I invite you now to stand as we worship.
and then we will prepare for communion after.